Hey, we're here, we're back, we started all of the above. About time we actually put Kay to work and make him do something useful on the program, hey? Hello everyone, Friday on the Jimmy Smith afternoon show. My apologies. Was it No, I put my hand up, it was my fault, so I was doing some editing. I was around at the kitchen, they're doing some renovations in the studio, so I had to walk a bit extra to uh, get a bit of fruit and a glass of water. And as per usual, when I start chatting with Brooksy, well, it doesn't stop. There's no pause to a conversation with Brooksy. And I look at the clock and I oh, my word, and I'm bolting, and there's our tech waving their arms furiously. He said, Keon's on air at the moment. No, oh, they can probably stroll back to the studio and take my time. But we are here now. So thank you, everybody. Great to have your company this afternoon, Friday. Uh, TGIF, Jules in for Jimmy. And I'm delighted to have you along on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 in Brisbane, 1620 on the Gold Coast via the SEN app. We're here thanks to our great mates, sbsfence.com.au. Now, I want to hear from you throughout the course of the afternoon. one 1170 that is the open line number. And the text line, 0457 736 736. As per usual, 100 bucks cash to give away thanks to Tristan Merlihan, and top sport. Now, I mentioned this to Matty White on the show today, and I'm looking forward to this. His ears must have been burning. Former world surfing champion Mark Richards. Now, we did speak about the top 10 sporting marks the other day off the back of Mark Zara winning his second Melbourne Cup. And next thing you know, we're talking to Mark Richards. How good. There's a new film coming out using old surfing footage of Sean Thompson, the South African, Wayne Rabbit Bartholomew, the 1977 world champion, Australia and Mark Richards. It's called Free Ride. Apparently the the footage is out of this world. And it centres on the boys taking Hawaii by storm in the late 70s and early 80s. It was called the Free Ride Movement. But as I said, the footage in the water is unbelievable. It's out in limited release next week in Sydney and Newcastle, Wollongong and the Gold Coast as well. So looking forward to catching up with Mark Richards to talk about that, a little bit about his career. RJ Ochoa from SB Nation will join us for an NFL chat and we'll cross to Mark Staffy Stafford from SENZ as well. 04. Five seven seven three six seven three six. Jay says, just like Maxie, saving the day in India. Coach K rescues the SEN afternoon pro. Graham Bravo, Key and oh look, Jason, don't don't Blake Smoke up his backside, please. We don't need a cocky Keen on a Friday. Thank you very much. Save the shows a bit of a stretch. I would have thought. Anyway, on the rugby league front, I'm going to start with my Dragons today, just because I can. As Fox Sports reports, the Dragons as you would have heard, have ramped up their $3 million bid to try and sign Dalian property at Fanua Blake. This is for 2025 after he did give his commitment to the Warriors for at least next season. He's 28. He's holidaying in Bali at the moment after representing Tonga in the recent Test Series against England and the UK. We know how good he is. He's one of the top three front rowers in the game. And it's a bit of a bombshell last week when he said, I want an immediate release from the Warriors on compassionate grounds. And he wants to be closer to his parents. They reside in Sydney. We know the Dragons have been trying to be really active in the player market under new coach Shane Flanagan. And said, OK, I'm just going to pitch. I'm going to pitch. So they reckon Harmo Sele, Moses Sully and Ben Murdoch Masilla have been on the charm offensive. And talks are expected to ramp up further when he returns to Australia from his holiday. No big surprises there. Three years, three million bucks. He did play... The Dragons juniors, and that's the thing. I mean, Flano's made no secret that he means business, wants to sign big names, be it for Noah Blake or Joey Marnie or someone else. And he even admitted, look, I don't think Joey Marnie will leave the Roosters, but if he does, just want everyone to know, want him to know and his team and his management to know that we're interested in chatting to him. So he's aiming high. 
as he should. The Dragons are a big club. And to show that they are a generous club, St George Illawarra, Adam Pengilly writes that the Dragons have offered Cody Ramsey a fresh contract extension and will pay the stricken star out of their own coffers despite no guarantee he'll play another game of rugby league due to a career-threatening illness. This is lovely. This is really lovely. In a selfless gesture at odds with the cutthroat nature of the NRL, St George Illawarra is in the final stages of extending Ramsey's deal by another year to allow him more time to recover from a debilitating bowel condition. Now, the Dragons... And the NRL have been locked in discussions about a proposal for Ramsey to stay on the club's books until 2025. His current deal is due to expire at the end of next year. Now, this plan would involve St George Illawarra splitting the money that Ramsey's owed over the rest of his contract across two years, which will not count towards the salary cap, and that will need to be funded by the club itself. Further to that, Cody Ramsey would also be removed from the top 30 roster to allow the Dragons to fill his spot with another signing or promotion of a player already contracted to the club. But if he does return to rugby league and is once again in line for NRL selection, the Dragons would then have to make a roster space available in their top 30 and then count his salary towards the club's cap. But it's a nice move by the club. But I wonder if these sorts of things factor into a player's decision as to where a future destination might be. Oh, what club? I'm thinking about joining this club. But from a distance, you go, okay, well, Cody Ramsey may never play again, debilitating injury with his kidneys and whatnot, but we'll, we'll look after you. As a player, you go, you know, that's the sort of club I want to be involved with. I think it's a really great move, a classy move by St George Illawarra, and I'm proud that they are my club, looking after one of theirs. No throwing plays on the scrap heap because of freakish injuries. Speaking of which... What about Raymond Fatala Mariner? I couldn't believe this when I read this yesterday by Brent Reid. The club captain was told to stay away from training when the club returns for pre-season. So the first batch of Bulldogs players, they're due to convene at their Belmore headquarters today. Fatala Mariner won't be among them in a pointer to his imminent departure. Now, sources close to the club confirm if Fatala Mariner had been told to stay away, having fallen out of favour earlier this season and subsequently given permission to find another club. But he hasn't found one. He's still a Bulldogs employee. He's got two seasons remaining on a lucrative contract due to pay him around about 400 k a year. Now, it's understood the relationship between Fatala Mariner and the club became strained after he raised concerns over training on behalf of some of his teammates. But he's a club captain. So I said, two years to run in his contract, employee of the club. Presumably, he thinks, regardless of the fact that they want me gone and I'm free to look elsewhere and I may do that, I still need to show up for training because that's my job. I don't know the ins and outs of it. I don't know all the intricate details, but from the outsider's point of view, it just seems a bit sad, doesn't it? That's an interesting compare and contrast to what the Dragons are doing with Cody Ramsey. 0457 736 736. Uh, just back to the NRL, actually. Adam Pengilly, we mentioned before. This is really interesting in the Herald. The NRL has opened talks with FanDuel. Anybody familiar with FanDuel? D-U-E-L. That is the US-based betting behemoth. And they're talking about live-streaming rugby league matches on its platform to tap into this exploding American sports wagering market. Belandis has been on the front foot on this whole thing. So just months out from that historic Las Vegas doubleheader, that'll open the NRL season. 
Peter Volandis and the game's chief executive, Andrew Abdo, have stepped up plans to link with an official American wagering partner. It's a company worth $31 billion US, so $48 bill Australian. FanDuel looms as the favourite contender given its enormous scale and popularity with American bettors. Now, the code has discussed the prospect of offering vision of live matches for sportsbooks in the US to run directly on its platforms. NRL, though, I mean, they're, they're doing their due diligence of keeping other US gambling companies abreast of its plans as it considers whether an exclusive partnership or one involving several operators is the most sensible option for a foreign sport trying to crack the world's biggest market. Well, he's got vision, PVL. There's no denying that. And that's the thing. I mean, they see this as a deep, deep well because of the legalisation of sports betting in so many American states in recent years. It's triggered just this, this huge explosion in the industry. Fangirls, big draft kings, another one, to grab a significant market share. So the NRL have not yet signed a deal with any US wagering firm. The thing about it is that the links with Fanduel are obvious. Its parent company is the Irish-based Flutter who also owns Rugby League's official Australian betting partner, Sportsbet. We know that PVL has just come back from his trip to the US. He accompanied Prime Minister Anthony Albanese to the White House. He met President Joe Biden. And he said, we worked out that if all this goes to plan, it has the potential to generate hundreds of millions for Rugby League. Not tens of millions, hundreds of millions. But this is what you want to hear if you're a Rugby League fan. He said, you need confidence in your sport. We have the greatest game of all. If I didn't have confidence in our product, I wouldn't be here. It's entertaining, it's brutal, it'll attract people, but we know it'll only be as good as you implement it. And he's right, you've got to back in your product. Having said that, you know, it does feel in some instances that the NRL is now a gambling business with sport attached to it rather than the other way around. But given his history, his background and the work he does with Racing New South Wales, I mean, this is right in Volandi's wheelhouse. And the best part about it is, from a rugby league perspective, the AFL are lagging on this front. And they would be seeding. They would absolutely be seeding. Seeing Peter Volandis hobnobbing with prime ministers and presidents, uh, he's a doer. He's a doer. Hundreds of millions. Can you imagine hundreds of millions going into the NRL coffers? What would they do with it? Maybe they don't need the state government to build their own stadium. Potentially. What about this finish in the Shield yesterday? It was an absolute belter. South Australia and Queensland, the Bulls, didn't they bottle it? They absolutely bottled this. Nine wickets from Nathan McAndrew has led South Australia to a stunning 3-1 victory, three-run victory against Queensland. This is in the Shield match at the Gabba. Queensland were chasing 273. They were two for 179. They were cruising. Then they imploded. They lost their final eight wickets, Queensland, for 90 runs. 90 runs, just the fifth time in Shield history that a winning margin has been three runs or fewer. And the first time since New South Wales beat Western Australia by two runs in Newcastle January 2003. So it always been Kawaja, not a ton. Joe Burns, 91. They were putting on a partnership. We thought, yeah, with those two experienced men at the crease, they should see this home, and they should have seen it home. So Queensland ended the final session. They needed 115, but they were set. Then the Bulls lost Clayton. Pearson, Nisa, Wildermuth, Sandu, Steckity. All of a sudden, they're nine down. It's up to Usman and Mitch Swepson to get them home. It was really tense. And then Jordan Buckingham, Bowles, Kawaja, ripper of delivery, magnificent victory. The celebrations were wild. 
So it was a great finish. Well done to the Redbacks. And in the World Cup last night, Cricket World Cup, New Zealand beat Sri Lanka by five wickets. Now, that win extends New Zealand's advantage in the points table. We'll speak to Staffy in just under half an hour's time on the program. Uh, so, look, the top four is going to be as follows, barring some kind of miracle. India, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand. So Australia and South Africa, two and three, they are set. They will play. In India, they're going to play New Zealand. Pakistan, by the way, uh, can level the Kiwis at 10 points, but they've got to cover an absolute, you know what, ton in terms of net run rate. So they play England in its final round robin game. New Zealand at the moment, net run rate 0.74. For Pakistan to beat that, so to reach 0.75, it needs to win by 287 or 288 runs if it bats first. If it bowls first, they will need to chase a target with 284 balls to spare. So you can't see that happening. Cannot see that happening. So if you think about Pakistan, their only real chance is to bat first. You've got to score 400, get out England for 112. Then its net run rate will go above New Zealand. It ain't happening. India, though. India will play New Zealand, as we said. South Africa will play Australia. So the question now is, the Aussies take on Bangladesh tomorrow night. What are they going to do? Rest a few? Maybe some of the bowlers? Andrew McDonald hinted that, you know, if they're fit to play, they'll play. Uh, guys like Marsh obviously had the mad dash home. He'd love another hit. Josh Inglis would appreciate some more time in the middle, some more runs too at number five. You don't want to change too much, but they're just giving Max as much rest as he needs this week. And then he got smudged with his vertigo, so we hope that sorts itself out. Now, he's a bit of a fan favourite in Australian tennis, John Millman. He famously defeated Roger Federer to reach the 2018 US Open quarterfinals, has called an imminent end to his professional tennis career. He's a good guy to follow on social media too. He's very forthright with his opinions, considered, intelligent. So he's 34. He revealed last night that he'd walk away after a 10th and final Australian Open campaign in January, saying, unfortunately, age has caught up to me. So the only thing that's undefeated, John, is time. Three shoulder surgeries, chronic back injuries. I've got to catch up with you after a while. He did confirm that he would retire after his home major. Said all good things come to an end after the upcoming Australian summer. I'll be retiring from professional tennis. I'm incredibly grateful for all the support I've had throughout my career and thrilling ride and on and on it goes. And, but, of course, you think about that career-defining fourth-round victory over Roger, the 2018 US Open in New York. I remember that well. It was stunning. And then on radio, literally anyone that had any association or television, for that matter, with John Millman got their 15 minutes of fame. Well, it's his year seven PE teacher is on the line right now. Yeah, had him for one year. Seemed like a good bloke. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Mums and dads and former classmates and whatnot. They couldn't get enough of him. First Aussie to beat Federer at a major since Pat Rafter did it in the 1999 French Open. And you forget about this, too. He actually came close, John Millman, to beating Fed again. This was at the 2020 Australian Open. He lost in five sets, and he was leading 8-4 in the deciding super tiebreaker. And he just matches up well with the Fed. Did reach a career high, number 33 in the world rankings in October of 2018. He won his lone ATP singles title in Kazakhstan 2025 Davis Cup ties for Australia, while also wearing the green and gold at two Olympic Games. So, well done. He made the third round at Melbourne Park and Wimbledon. And he will feature in Australia's United Cup side for the mixed teams event that kicks off next month. He's now, at the moment, John Millman, world number 436. 
So he won't earn direct entry into the Australian Open, but he's guaranteed to get a wild card as well. He's just, I, I like John Millman. He's a likeable guy. Drew every ounce out of what he had, and he beat the great Federer. And not many people in the world of tennis can say that. So go well in retirement. John Millman, who will watch you with your final hurrah at the Australian Open in January. 0457 736 736, the text line number. And the open line, one 300 dollars cash to give away on the program today. And the Who Am I is back. And the winner of the Who Am I will do that uh, second hour or last hour of the program. Last hour of the program. So we'll give you a couple of clues. And then the first correct text to through will win themselves a Signet Boost Power Bank, valued at 44 95, a Signal Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet and earbuds powered 24-7. Now, I don't know if you caught my chat at the back end of Matty White's show. And he said, do you remember, Jules, the, the Tui's Mark Richards ad? And I sort of, sort of vaguely remember him and he was sort of waxing the surfboard on the beach. And it's something about the first bloke to use the, you know, the, the, the twin fins and now everyone's doing it. Uh, that escaped me. A sort of vague recollection. But I don't remember the specifics, specifics of that ad. But it got me thinking, with that in mind, sports stars and TV commercials, what are, you some, what are some of your favourite memories and favourite ads from back in the day? It can be American, but I like the Aussie-specific ones. The best sports stars that featured in TV commercials. I mean, the classic, of course, here we go again, Manly and Parra. We might even play a couple of them for you throughout the course of the day. Parra's well ahead, but the gap starts to narrow. Do you remember the Swan Lager ads? Parodied by the 12th man. They said you never make it. They had one with Greg Norman. It's definitely in one. Uh, Fennec might have been. Marrickville Mauler might have been. And I'm sure Wayne Gardner was in one of those as well. Swan Lager ads. A lot of beer commercials, of course. Tui seemed to be front and centre at a lot of these commercials. Sports sales and TV ads. Do you remember the old Mac, Max Walker, the late Tangles and Dougie Walters? Was it Tui's 2.2? You know, the light beers, and they're, they're one of the, 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 um, the bowling green. And there's Max Walker with the Lord Pole. And he's about to go out, and it, Dougie sort of grabs his arm, and he stops him. He says, bowl this one underarm, Tangles. That'll fill him. So Dougie and Tangles used to be in a few Tui's ads. I actually quite like that one for DoorDash recently with Sterling eating the noodles and looking up at the screen. 0457 736 736. It was Mark Richards. He's our guest in the last hour of the program today. Full-time Australian World Surfing Champion's got to join us. He was in an old Tui's ad back in the day. Can you think of any other great ads from back in the day that featured sports stars? A lot of beer ads, no doubt. But some of the best ads in TV commercials featuring sports stars. I still reckon here we go again, Manly and Para. We're going to dig that up. We're going to play that for you today. Let's get the juices flowing. 0457 736 736. This one here. That was brilliant, Matty. Out doing the best sports trivia bloke I've ever heard. MR Tui's ad gold. I'm going to have to look that up now. Four X beer ads. AB in the cricket team on a beach. There's some really good ones too. Thank you, 099. They're already starting to come through. Sports stars and TV commercials. Our Bulldog Bob writes, Jules. He's signing Ramsey for another 12 months with little chance of him playing a good business decision. Yes, I can understand it based on an illness issue, but the Dragons continue to pay and uh, re-sign to Bellin reportedly 500000 per season while on bail for a serious criminal matter. Was he actually worth the Dragons paying 
500 short in the salary cap. Uh, history would probably show it was a poor business decision as DeBellin continues to struggle. I guess the, the issue there with DeBellin is, well, you know, if he's innocent... You know, could he have taken some kind of legal recourse? I don't know. Hopefully, Ramsey makes a full recovery. Yeah, hopefully. But I think it's just a, a gesture, isn't it? I'm sure they wouldn't have done it if they couldn't afford it as well, Bob, Bob. You never know. Uh, go, Jules. With the extra cash at the NRL uh, Grand to get from America, hopefully they'll be able to sign a decent headline act for the Grand Final. That's pretty good. That's good, Brett. What could you have? This is where the AFL do have one up on... The Rugby League, National Rugby League. The quality of their grand final act. So they had Kiss this year, didn't they? They had Kiss. I mean, you know, Robbie Williams and, you know, Meatloaf was a debacle, but on paper it's a big name. And who was the other one that Jack Revolt was getting up singing with? The Killers. They had Sting. So like, um, like global superstars. And the Aussies tend to sort of have these Aussie supergroups, don't they? A little mishmash of washed-up 80s rock stars. So absolutely right. That's a really good point. If, as Peter Volandi says, you know what, we stand to pull in hundreds of millions of dollars from finding a wagering partner in the USA. If that's the case, well, then maybe the NRL Grand Final can afford a decent headline act. It's very, very good. 0457 736 736. James says uh, Max Walker and the Aeroguard. Remember the Aeroguard? Have a good weekend. The little kid sort of refers to him as Mr. Walker. I'd forgot about that one. Very, very good nomination. Keep them coming in 0457 736 736 sports stars and TV commercials. Anything else you would like to talk about? Uh, I want to spotlight Cameron Serraldo, says Matt. In coaching terms, he has been seen as the second coming. My question to you and the listeners what did the Bulldogs have to achieve this season to silence critics like myself? Well, Matt, you know, my perspective might be different to the expectations of a Canterbury fan, but you're right, you know, came from that successful Penrith system. No one really talked about Webster. Everybody talked about Seraldo and everyone wanted Seraldo. They're building their squad depth, the dogs. And you've got a smart man by the name of Phil Gould in charge. And you look at the benefits of his work there at Penrith. In terms of what would be a pass mark for the dogs, this year, I don't think a top eight finish is necessary for the Bulldogs this season to judge them as having a successful year. They had a shocker at the end of the year. The fence was non-existent. As long as, you know, at the end of the day, and I think of this from my club's perspective, I'm not expecting much of the Dragons this year, but I want to see intent and I want to see improvement and I want to know that they're building to something over the next few years. That's literally it. That's the only expectation I would have. And as a Bulldogs fan, who are in a sense in a similar position, I'd suggest that, you know, don't necessarily aim for a top eight finish as much as you'd love it. And it's possible. It's absolutely possible. But you want to see an improvement on last year and you just want to see the ship starting to turn. They go, okay, I can see what we're working to here. In another two or three years, we might be premiership contenders. If you can see that trajectory and think you're on that trajectory, then that's a pass mark for me. Good question, Matt. Very good question. Thank you. Let's get the news headlines.